most likely to succeed. What's the secret of their success? You know, it's fun to have an idea. To be able to put that idea down on paper, to see and feel that same idea take shape. There's a massive infrastructure of unbelievably hardworking, solidly laboring, working class men. Our doubts are traitors. And make us lose the good we ought might win. I fear it. Hey guys, welcome into the Blue Collar Dadcast. Um, my name's Jeremy. My name's Chad. And uh, we're blue collar workers and we like to drink a little bit of scotch or whiskey or some beers and uh, do a little review afterwards, see how it makes us feel, how it tastes. And uh, today we are going to be drinking Stranahan's Blue Peak. It's a Colorado single malt whiskey. It's actually made right by where I work. At least one of the factories. Alright, so let's pour it up. How was uh how was your week at work there, Chad? It was an interesting one, for sure. And since you asked, you might as well tell uh the listeners what it is that I do. And uh I work at a manufacturing plant. I'm a logistics supervisor. I've been working there for 13 years. Uh, I've done just about everything there. So uh, the last uh, maybe going on five years, I've been a a supervisor. I don't know if I'd classify that as blue collar, but (laughs) you're the the guy all the blue collar people hate. Pretty much. I'm just kidding. No, you you, you earned your stripes. Well, you know what? I feel like... I feel like the salesman at the dealership. You know what I mean? Like hey, he, I deal with them guys all the time. Sure. So, you know, they work with you as the customer, and they're super important all the way up until the purchase is going to be made. And then it gets handed off. And then it's they're the go-between. Right. The customer doesn't want to pay that much. Well, too bad. Go tell them that this is the new price. <laughs> Right. All right, guys, this is the new price. No, no, no. We said we wanted this. Okay, yeah. let me go back over there. That's basically what it's like to be a supervisor. Yeah, we went through that with the forerunner. That was the first time we ever did the back and forth. Yeah. But right on. Yeah. Clinky? So, yeah, let's do this. You didn't tell me about your week, though. I didn't tell you about my week. Let's it take was, a sip and, we'll, a sip, and yeah. we'll go. That blue label's different. I like it. It's smooth. Stranahan's has yet to disappoint me. I've had the yellow label, the black label, and now the blue label. They're all good. That one's actually... That's good. That's why I had to bring it over here. Wow. I had to leave it at <laughs> your house. Oh, so man. that way I wouldn't go diving into wouldn't it. Wouldn't polish it off, yeah. Oh, man, it was... It, it's so good. <laughs> all right, well, anyway, tell me about your 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 guy that applied for a job that shouldn't apply for it. That was, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I had to post a position. A guy needs to get his uh, his title adjusted. Right. What that means is he's got a title that doesn't fit the role that he's in. Mm-hmm. So I had to post the position. So he's doing the work under a different title. Yes. But he needs to be bumped up for pay and everything with a different title. Yep. Okay. And in order to get the pay adjusted, you know, it, it all that HR BS that goes behind everything, right? So, uh, you know, protects the company, whatever. So, I get the job posted. Everything's going smooth. It's open for six days. Okay, the right person applies for it. Yeah, six whole days. That's 144 hours if anyone's... Right. 
Okay, it takes maybe about 15, 20 minutes to apply. Okay, jot that down somewhere. <laughs> the right person applied. Mm-hmm. Great. It stayed open after that, thus allowing other folks to apply to it as well. One of those people works for the correct person. So essentially, <laughs> they found the job post and was like, oh, well, I'm going to apply too. That's my job. That's my boss's job, but I'm going to apply to it. That's messed up. <laughs> that's messed up, man. Yeah, dude, there's so much drama focused around this. <laughs> they, the, the whole 144 hours thing, separate uh, complaint came along uh, that we didn't have it up long enough. Nice. Six days. You couldn't figure out how to apply and... In six days? Exactly. Or, you know, maybe one of them was on vacation or whatever. Whatever. But it's like, look, guys, let's... You're not going to get the job anyway. This was posted specifically for so-and-so. Right. So, and, like, I know who you are, and I know what you like and what you don't like. Well, I I don't like using the the handhelds that move inventory in the system. That's that's beneath me. Okay. Yeah, I want you totally... your job. Yeah. (laughs) I totally want you leading the, leading the crew. That's just not going to work. So right. it, it was just more supervisor weird stuff. You know, I when I first started, I always got the whole, well, you signed up for it, and I was like, eh. post COVID, I don't know. These are there's different people out there. Well, I can say something, but I'm not going to say it. No, no. <laughs> I'm just saying post COVID, there's a whole different right. Everything changed, and so did the people. Yeah. So. Traffic changed. God, well, I, feel, I feel like traffic's gotten worse in the last week. I think because Texans are moving here. Well, <laughs> probably. So they're like the new Californians, right? Yeah, I've been I've been coming instead of uh, from north on I twenty five. I've been coming from south I twenty five. I've been working basically off of like Castle Pines Parkway and I twenty five. Okay. And coming northbound and getting on two twenty five that way around four o'clock, and it's just just a mess, dude. I'm like, what in the hell? Like, when I come northbound again on 225, it's not bad. You know, I can get through, I can cut through the traffic, get in my proper lane, and the lane of least resistance, as they call it, and uh, and get home pretty easy. A little, little bit of stop and go, but it's been just jam-packed stop and go from Bellevue. Good God. Yeah, and it's killing me. I'm like, it's only been this week. I'm like, what the hell is happening? Uh, so, I mean, you're a transplant, but you've been here... Long I've been enough. here my whole, remember, my whole life, pretty much. Pretty, yeah. I moved here when I was eight. So then it's safe to say you remember T-Rex? The, yeah, the T-Rex probably, yeah. yeah. If, when 225 was a two lane, or two lanes on both sides. Yep, yep, and they widened it, and then there was even work that they did on I-25. Like the Alameda, Santa Fe flyover yeah, and all man. that. I feel like that made it worse, the flyover, because that flyover is jam-packed with traffic all the time. Yeah, yeah. It, Cause and effect, right? 225 was great, though. Like, once mm-hmm. once T-Rex finished, we had, gosh, I don't know, it felt like a very short stint. But then everyone started moving here. And I forget what the rates were, but everyone started moving to Colorado. And, good Lord, that population boom automatically put that highway project and its progress behind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was, uh... Because the marijuana, that's that's when when everybody started moving here for sure. Because I've actually been doing field service. A little background on yeah. on me. I've been doing field service for about thirteen, actually almost almost fifteen years now. Um, so I've been out on the roads 
watching everything change. And there was one day, I'll never forget it. Uh, Jason and I, we were driving around together and we counted all 50 states on the license plates two times in one day. And that was in 20, oh, that had to be 2015, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. And we literally all 50 states two times in one day. And it's like, holy shit. At first I was like, it's February. There's no holidays. Why are all these out-of-staters here? There's no, you know, nothing's going on. I didn't realize they were all fucking moving here. Yeah, dude, it was was insane. It's brutal. And I don't know. I don't want to go on a whole tangent, but, you know, I mean. Well, just uh, enjoy for everybody else. Just, you know, don't drive like an asshole. You know, Colorado was the... Assimilate. Yeah. Colorado was, I think, the fifth best city to drive in before weed was legalized. And that was post-T-Rex, so... Was, was T-Rex it? had just finished. We had wide open lanes. Oh, it was great. It was amazing it was for fantastic. a very short amount of time. And then COVID was fantastic for field service, too, because nobody was on the road. Oh, getting, getting to work <laughs> on time? Oh, easy. There was no excuse. Hey, right. you're, you're late. <laughs> What's your excuse, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> you're you're late today. Oh, yeah, I, I'm just late, dude. Okay, right. I, I just woke up late. Sorry. Yeah. So but, yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> I guess I guess next week we'll touch a little bit more on the uh, deeper what we do. We've been riding this work thing for about five minutes, so yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, but here t- on today, yeah, yeah, for sure. I was gonna say here. On this podcast, we like to touch on not only are we blue collar dads, but we dig some history. We we do dig some history for sure, absolutely, and mainly surrounding what you'll find on this channel is history surrounding Colorado. Yes, and we're we're gonna try to keep it strictly Colorado. Sometimes we may venture out in the future, but we're we're keeping it tight to Colorado because there's, I mean, we could do a thousand episodes and still not do everything that Colorado has to offer. Uh, exactly. Uh, just the short time that we've been doing this, uh, we've learned quite a bit. That, that's saying something. That we've lived here that long and, and that we've learned quite, like, as much as we have. Like, holy crap, I didn't realize this part and this part. Like, maybe the brief history of certain things, but actually diving in and, like you said in one of the very first episodes, is pick up the rock. You know, you see the rock, you kind of like, oh, yeah, cool, you know, I understand the... This was created because of this, this, and this. But you pick up the rock, and it's like, whoa, this is interesting. And, that, and that's going to be the topic we're talking about today. Is one of the very, mo- one of the very most interesting things that I actually learned about Colorado is is a place called Camp Hale. It's where the Tenth Mountain Infantry Division was actually formed. Yeah, um, during the World War II era. Yep. And it's really strange when they created it. Well, we'll get into it a little bit more, but really, really strange, like the timing. Because it was, it was. After Pearl Harbor, so it was kind of strange. Okay, I, I think the Allies needed an extra edge. Yeah, in the fight. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, we also like to do news, reviews, and stupid people. If uh, if you got it, go for it. Some people are really fucking stupid. stupid people you run into during the, the day, day that we're recording this is april fool's day so nice it is april fool's day do you have some fools for us i do so i had to punch it in because i'm not a good at 
practical pranker at all. Like, no. April Fool's jokes, dude, I suck. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> but there's folks that were really good at it. We're gonna we're gonna look at some blasts from the past. So on April Fool's Day in twenty nineteen, Google introduced a new feature called Screen Cleaner, which would use advanced technology to clean your phone's screen by emitting ultrasonic waves. Oh man. The prank was introduced as a way to solve the problem of dirty phone screens. <laughs> They have those things now where you just put your phone in it and it's UV light and it kills all the bacteria. Yeah. Yeah, we had one for work and yeah. we put our... Does it actually work? I don't know. <laughs> I, You know what? It actually it actually cooked the phones, like the laminate phone screens. Like they, really? They looked weird after you pulled them out, man. It was, huh. it was different. <laughs> uh, Lyft in 2019 introduced Mono. A fake ride-sharing service that only offered one-seater vehicles. Nice. Get on the back of a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> the company claimed that the service was perfect for people who wanted to experience the joy of ride-sharing alone. <laughs> oh, man. Ride-sharing? Yes. That's not ride-sharing, you selfish bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Tinder introduced a new feature called height verification, which required users to upload a photo of themselves standing next to a building or landmark what to prove the... their height. What the hell? <laughs> these are all jokes? Yeah. Like from, from these companies, these are all jokes? Yeah, this is did? their April Fool's. That's freaking great, man. <laughs> I mean, this makes sense. The feature was presented as a way to combat height fishing. Okay, what is height fishing? Where users would exaggerate their height and their profile. The prank was oh met God. with mixed reactions, though. <laughs> I bet. Uh, well, now well, they, some got users little, find it... they got those little inserts in the shoes. I don't know if you've seen it on Instagram, where like the, they can, you can put like like a five nine guy like you can yeah. put like little inserts in their shoes and makes them like six foot one. Nice. So you're walking on high heels, basically. <laughs> I mean, it would all come apart the minute that you got to that special moment. Yeah, exactly. Like, whoa, wait whoa, a minute. Hey. You looked a lot taller a little bit ago. Yeah, something's wrong. Don't look in my shoes. (laughs) Right? Stay away. YouTube in 2019 introduced a new feature called Snoop-A-Vision, which allowed users to watch videos with Snoop-A-Dog. Snoop-A-Dog? Snoop-A-Dog. Snoop-A-Dog. The feature was revealed as a way to experience YouTube in a whole new way, with Snoop-Dog providing commentary on popular videos like Gangnam Style and Charlie Bit My Finger. That's real, though. He really does that. I don't know if it's a uh, April Fool's drop or what. Maybe they April Fool's dropped it, and then they were like, "Shit, that's a really good idea." Because there's there's a video of Snoop Dogg, uh, watching some nature stuff, and he's like, "Damn, nature, you scary." <laughs> Here, hold on one sec. Right, right. Let me smoke my weed real quick. <coughs> All right, I'm back. Oh, Snoop Dogg, man. Oh, dude. OG for sure. (laughs) All right. This will be my last one. Word. Tesla introduced a feature called toilet humor, which made fart fart sounds every time the driver used the turn signal. No way. (laughs) The flatulence can be adjusted from falcon heavy and ludicrous fart all the way to boring fart. (laughs) All references to Elon Musk's adventures. I need to hear... 
Falcon Heavy, and I need to hear <laughs> General or whatever the last. I gotta hear him, man. Dude, I, basic fart. What is that? Oh man, that was basic. <laughs> and then Falcon Heavy's just like, like a metal screamer. Dude, that was Falcon Heavy, dude. Yeah, Not only heavy, does it dude. stink, that was Falcon Heavy, right. bro. Sounded dope, smelled oh, dope. Man. You couldn't do that outside. <laughs> what the hell, dude? But yeah. Uh, can you Elon just imagine driving her along? Get Uber driving. <laughs> right. Turn on your turn signal. Falcon heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, the, the, those are our April Fool's focused uh, jokes. Nice. Or pranks, rather. I like it. I like it. Here, uh, uh, remember the T-bars? Talk about monoride? T-bars at the ski, ski resorts? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was created by the 10th Mountain Division. Look at that. Right. Very interesting. Yes. So, I guess you'd call that news? Old news? Eh, April Fools. Old news, April Fools? April Fools. Alright, well now on to reviews. And being that it's springtime, and folks are itchy to get started on those household projects... Why not get started on cleaning out your dryer vent? Yeah. yeah. Smart. Smart. Prevents fires. Smart, smart, smart. But uh, you need to do it with a hoe like me. A hoe? That's the name of the product. Said a hoe like me, dude. <laughs> no. Yes. It's a dryer cleaner kit. It's called hoe like me? Or is it just called hoe? No, it's hoe like me. H-O-L-I-K. <laughs> M-E. What the hell? Yeah, it's a hoe like me. So, now follow along here. We're just trying I'm... to clean our dryers with a hoe like me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, great reviews. Great reviews. Although, some of them come with a warning. Most of them say that it's very effective. Right. I mean, it gets in all the nooks and crannies and the crevices sure, of sure. your dryer. Yeah. But once hooked up to your vacuum, because it, 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 uh, it'll... It's an attachment that'll hook up to most. So if you well, got a Kirby, it's going to work. Anyway. <laughs> hook it up to a hoe like me, and it'll be just fine. <laughs> hook, hook your hoe like me up to a Kirby. Yes, and <laughs> have at it. Get get after just that go lint. Go ham steaks. Go ham steaks. Get after that lint. <laughs> you lint lickers out there. Yeah, lickers. Yeah. Okay, I see where this is coming from. Yeah. So uh, the warning, though, getting to that. A hoe like me screams loudly. I mean, if you have dogs. (laughs) (laughs) It screams loudly. If you. (laughs) Please continue. (laughs) If you have dogs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's going to (laughs) fucking. I love this product and it works. But for every vacuum I put this on, it creates a very loud, high-pitched sound when running. It actually makes my ears hurt and ring after using. So that's the only reason I put three stars. Because I have to use it when my kid isn't home, and I have to wear ear protection to use. Jesus Christ. So. Is uh, it a sucker or a blower? Did you cover that? No, it's definitely, a hoe like me is a sucker. (laughs) It's an attachment for your vacuum. (laughs) It's a, it's a sucker, okay. Yep. Yep. 
So all you lint lickers out there, be sure to buy your hearing protection when you use a hoe like yeah. me. <laughs> don't don't use a hoe like me without ear protection. <laughs> and if you're blue collar like us, your company should provide that. Yep, it's called PPE. PPE, personal protective equipment. Use your PPE when you use a hoe like me. Not please. your PPE. <laughs> don't use your PPE with a hoe like me. Use your PPE. We're trying to keep this PG. Hey, I didn't say anything else. So, <coughs> hop onto Amazon, find a hoe like me, <laughs> and get to cleaning your dryers this, this spring season. Suck. <laughs> Suck your vents out. Suck your dryer vents out. Suck your dryer vents With out. With a hoe like me. With a hoe like me. <laughs> but oh, yeah, it's, it's, fucking it's, great. It's, it's fucking real, dude. It's. I've got stupid people. If you want stupid people, you can have it. What the fuck, man? Nice. <laughs> but no, I've got I've got stupid people, and I'm I'm gonna do a a stupid people version of work, my blue collar work. How about that? Let's hear it. So I'm doing this install currently, right? And my salesman, obviously, we have to work through contractors. To do an install, you know, we're we're working with, I'm not going to say the name, but one of the the very largest in Colorado. And the salesmen and them are going back and forth fighting about who's going to core the holes in some CMU walls. Basically cinder block. That's what CMU walls are. And salesman says, it was in my quote to say, we are not coring holes. And the construction company, the general contractor saying, you didn't submit blueprints for us to core holes at X height before this whole deal was finalized. So they're going back and forth and back and forth. And this guy tells me, just put all the pipe in the ceiling. Just put all the pipe in the ceiling. Uh, we'll, we'll core the holes later. And this is the stupid people part. Uh-oh. This is how things are supposed to go. You start from one end. If you hit a wall, you core a hole and continue piping. That's the best way to do it. You just, Put your pipe together. You don't waste a bunch of fittings. And he's like, oh, no, just... And this is Mr. Meticulous. This is the guy who makes you, like, brush your shoes with a fucking toothbrush before you walk into on onto his front step. And then you have to put your shoes in a basket. Like, this is, this is OCD shit, and he should know this. It's like, as you're moving down the line, you core a hole, you keep piping. And he tells me, no, no, no! Just hang the pipe. Whatever. Oh, I mean, I, it's, it's on them. It's on them. Oh, they're they're bitching about the pipe's not finished. It's not a hundred percent. Well, it's not going to be a hundred percent until the fucking holes are there. So it's this back and forth about these holes, and I'm getting yelled at about not being a hundred percent. It's like I can't be a hundred percent until the holes are in the wall. So again, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And finally, because I, I told the salesman, I said, "Get the fucking holes cord, and then I'll make it a hundred percent." Because he's trying to tell me, go back, put everything together all the way to the wall and stop there. And then they can hold, uh, core the holes and we'll continue on from there. I'm like, no, man. It's a waste of time. Then I have another 20-foot stick on the other side that i got to cut four feet to connect two, you know, two different sections of pipe together. He's like, oh, that, that's a good idea. <laughs> like, no shit, dude. God, man. Some people. Yeah, stupid people. Stupid salesmen. Sounds like they need to 
take a step in your shoes for a day to kind of understand. What's funny is he, he did it for 10 years. Oh. Yeah. I know. And he's like, no, we're not going to holes. And he's got the wet, wumbling whale woads, too. He's that's hilarious, man. And he likes to call me bro when he calls me. What's up, bro? Like, no, mm-mm, I'm not your bro. More like, whoa. <laughs> like a, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> is that how he comes out? <laughs> not not every word is the wet, wumbling whale woads, oh, okay. but you can, you can hear it. You can hear it. It's great. But that was my stupid person for the week. Core the holes. Just just do it do it right from start to finish. As I'm piping, I should have called on Wednesday and said, Hey, diamond drilling or concrete coring, I need you here tomorrow morning to core two holes. Two. Two three inch holes. Thank you. Done. I win. Alright, I think uh before we start the history portion, we'll uh instead of interjecting later, we'll uh review this here single malt. Whiskey from Stranahan's. It's called Blue Peak with the blue label. It, it's awesome, guys. It's it's really good. It's for me not being a whiskey drinker. Uh, I I really do enjoy uh, what's in my cup. Yeah, I uh, I have to say I typically if I'm having a glass of scotch or whiskey, I put ice in mine. And there's a cup of ice here that hasn't moved. It's it's that good that you don't have to put ice in it. So it's just so smooth, man. Yeah, it's unreal, unreal. Love it. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Well, with that being awesome, what do you say we get into some history? Yeah, it was a uh, something you definitely know more about. You were doing some sort of training there, right? Yeah, many moons ago, I was about fifteen. I went to. Went to a place called Camp Hale. Uh, there I learned uh, ground search and rescue. So nice. For about seven days, hung out in the woods, bathed in uh, the Eagle River. Nice. I mean, not nice, but nice. It was cold. It was I bet. Cold. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, though. Um, hung out in the woods. What were you part of when you were doing this? You said uh, search and rescue, but what were you a part of? Uh, it's the Auxiliary Air Force, and I'm... Not trying to hype it up. That's just what it's called. It's okay. been around since, um, I believe, the 30s. So it was after the First World War. Okay. Um, and then they even did some things in World War II on a local level within the United States. It's called Civil Air Patrol. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. I've so, heard of Yeah. Yeah. So they've done a lot of search and rescue missions looking for downed airplanes, missing hikers. Um, gotcha. And... If you do do some research on them, you might even find that they sunk. I think they have one confirmed, uh, one confirmed kill. I guess, if you will, they they sunk a German submarine off the coast. But anyway, they they're the auxiliary air force, and in fact, if you reach all the way to the Billy Mitchell Award, which is like the highest rank that you can get as a cadet, sure. Um, the Air Force, or even just, I think all the military branches recognize that, and you go in as a higher uh, E rating. So everybody hates you. Maybe. <laughs> Me personally, probably. And, anyway. <laughs> Me personally, probably. Probably. But yeah, no, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Got to experience a lot of things. But yeah, Camp Hale. And funny thing about it, um, 
there was live ordinance from back uh, from back then. Yeah, you were mentioning that. So you're walking around. Mines, There's live ordinance mines and mortars. I mean, whatever <laughs> kind of munitions they they uh, yeah. they had out there. And I and I heard it's a uh, like protected. Like you can't dig or anything out there. Well, actually, five months ago, Biden made it a national monument. So now you Good. especially can't do that. There will be no mining, no drilling. Yeah, no, no digging, no nothing. You nothing. Leave it as is. Yep. So, if you're listening, you're probably wondering, what the heck was Camp Hale? So, Camp Hale was the original home of the 10th Mountain Division, the United States Army. Yep. Uh, what What's interesting about it, though, uh, it's no longer active. They tore all the buildings down. It's really funny. Within Within two years, about, about two years, two, three years, they... Erected this place and tore it down. That in two years, it was, I believe, it was erected in 1942, and they tore it down in 1945. Dude, there was a thousand buildings there. Yeah, fifteen thousand soldiers, roughly, went through it at one time, or is that no? They said it housed fifteen thousand soldiers at its peak. Okay, so a thousand buildings, fifteen thousand soldiers. It was a town. Okay, yeah, it had its own rail network. Yeah. Um, what was really cool is like the the training that took place there. Um, it wasn't just it wasn't just your run of the mill army training facility or no. base or anything like that. It 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 trained its soldiers in basically to be mountaineers. Yeah. And and the reason was during World War Two, but America had not entered the war. And they watched a million Russian troops invade Finland against 150,000 Finland soldiers. And they basically stopped the Russian invasion because they were mountaineers. That's crazy. See, I didn't know that. I don't have that jotted down at all. Uh, the trainings that I have are, I mean, they, they train with climbing, yep, skiing. That's, that's a big thing, right? But the biggest, actually. Right, yeah, that's, like, whenever you look at Camp Hale, you're going to see pictures of dudes on skis. Yep, and 80-pound bags on their back. But they, it's not just skiing. Like, when people think of skiing, maybe they're just thinking of the downhill stuff. They trained in two types of skiing, which is alpine and nordic. Um, see? If you didn't know, alpine skis are more uh, stable platform, more surface area, they're better for downhill. But you ever see those folks with the... With the ski poles, and they're basically skiing across a flat surface. Those yeah. are the Nordic skis. Those are lighter, used for flat surfaces. Yeah, and from what I know, they had seven-foot-long skis made out of pine with metal edges. Okay. And what they used for their little pushers was like, I, I want to say sticks, but it wasn't really sticks, so... You know, omit this from the record, but it was basically sticks with with crates at the bottom. It wasn't like your typical spike. It was so you could grab the snow with a with a wicker basket, basically, and and kind of push yourself. Okay. So a little a little different. Those would have been useful in some of the flat spots when we were snowboarding. Oh my god! 
Yeah, instead you got to unstrap and push with one foot. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> not anything but that, please. Right. <laughs> but the the 10th Mountain, uh, they got their claim to fame in a battle called uh, Riva Ridge. Yeah, that was pinnacle. Yeah. It was a pinnacle moment for, for World War II in Italy. In Italy. Um, I mean, I... Hats off to these guys. They scaled the northern, and guys, you're going to have to check my pronunciation, but the Apennini <laughs> Mountains. Little little Italian for you. Yes. Apennini. Apennini Mountains. They scaled them uh, in the dead of night, and Two, then they... 2,000-foot wall with their bags on their back. That's incredible. Uh, what's even better is that they surprised the Germans in the morning. So that battle raged on. They they suffered quite a bit of casualties. They say, from my research, they say that they suffered the most, percentage-wise, for battalion, they suffered the most casualties of any battalion deployed in Italy at that time. And that's incredible. To keep the morale up and to keep fighting through, they actually broke the German supply line, which I don't think that the Allies were successful in doing until... No, that was that, that was the moment when they tried multiple times to break the su- supply line, and the Tenth Mountain Division was the first to do it. And fun fact: um, the Tenth Mountain Division was actually made up of three different divisions: the Eighty Seventh, the Eighty Sixth, and the Eighty Fifth Divisions. And the Eighty Seventh was the first three thousand to sign up. And they were basically skiers and mountaineers to sign up for the U.S. Army, U.S. military, and willingly go out and train and help. And um, their commanders, their their uh, COs, commanding officers, actually had to listen to the first 3,000 and learn from them because they knew more, that the soldiers did, knew more about mountaineering, like how to cross a mountain peak without cause, causing an avalanche. And all these different ways to traverse the mountains. And it, it was incredible. Like the amount of respect that went up and down the ranks. It was just, un, it, was, it was different. It never happened before in, in, in military history where commanding officers were listening to their subordinates, basically. For sure. And the 80, so 87th was the, the first 3,000. The 86th was basically your, your, people who signed up for the military whatever and yeah you do you want to do this so you can do this you can do this and they didn't know anything about mountaineering they didn't know anything about mountains snow nothing and the 85th was all draftees so the 86th and the 85th literally knew nothing about mountains about snow about climbing about skiing nothing and eventually the 87th 85th 6th and 85th all became the 10th. And it's, I, I was like, damn. Because math. But yes. Yeah, because of math, right? Yeah, that's insane, though. <laughs> like, I have a lot of respect because for me, having been there for seven days, I, you know, I climbed the same mountains that some of these soldiers did. Did you hike the mountains or did, did. you? Okay, okay. Um, did you see the rock climbing walls? Uh, we didn't, we didn't do that, no. Uh, but like we did hike a lot of the mountains. Uh, the reason why was for one to learn how to climb a mountain. You don't just go straight yeah. up it. There's technique behind yep. how you go up a mountain. Um, and map reading 
topographic maps. Yes. Did um, you do it in the winter or summer? It was the summer. Okay. It was so the they, they were they were easy on you guys. Yeah. Nah. It was. They weren't trying to kill us. We we're still teens. All right. Well, they should have tried to kill you. Because <laughs> they, they not you, not you in particular, but you know, Civil Air Patrol. I mean, if you're looking for down planes and people in in distress, you need to be put through the ringer. It it was tough. There was one night we actually had to build our own shelter and sleep in it. Nice. Nice. So it was cold. I was probably the most cold I've been in a place that I went on purpose <laughs> ever. Besides just camping. Besides just camping. In Colorado. Because you just willingly go and you freeze your ass off. Exactly. But it what an honor to be in the same place and that some of these these uh, fine men, mostly men at the time. I believe being, that was actually all men at the yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say being at, at <laughs> that era. Yeah. There's something there's something about that. But uh, so with the War One, we're fast forwarding a little bit. With the War One. Yeah, I kind of wanted to back up to oh, go ahead. One, one guy in particular. Oh, yeah, don't let me get it's ahead of you. Charles, they call him Charles Mini Dole because his name's too hard to pronounce, and I'm not going to even try right now. Charles Minidole actually, um, he was a skier, and he was he was much more than that. And if you do your research, you can find out. I apologize that I don't have that information right now, but Charles Minidole um, was skiing and broke his ankle and was basically done, like couldn't do anything for a long time. And... He created the National Ski Patrol because it took them so long to get him down from the mountain that he's like, something's got to be done. Something something has to change here. Like, something needs to change. So, Charles Minidole creates the National Ski Patrol and then lobbies the U.S. military to create after um, the Russians try to invade Finland. Finland won. He was watching this happen, the invasion, and saw how they defended themselves against the million Russian troops against 150,000, and he lobbied to the United States Army, United States military, albeit, um, to create a mountain ear soldier unit. Because who knew, they didn't know if Germany was going to invade the United States, they didn't know if Russia was going to invade the United States. They didn't know anything at this point. This is this is after, like, I think right before Pearl Harbor, actually. And he's he's basically saying, like, we need some sort of mountaineers. We need people who know these these mountains and how to traverse them and and do all the stuff. And and finally, in nineteen, I believe it was nineteen thirty nine, fact check. Um, they decided to create the the essentially tenth mountain division. And the, the army didn't activate it or allow it until 1941, December 8th, 1941, actually. The okay. 87th Mountain Infantry Battalion slash National Ski Patrol. That's the day after Pearl Harbor. Yep. So they bombed it, and then the army says, oh, okay, you're right, Charles. Charles in charge. You're right. <laughs> Way to go, Charles. All right, Chuck. You got, you got it. You got it. They built 
Camp Hale because of its location in a valley. And they diverted the Eagle River to, to basically pr- provide water for the camp. And there was like things that needed to meet the requirements based on the U.S. military to, to make it a camp. Water, railroad track for supplies, and one other thing. I can't remember what it was. And United States Army Corps of Engineers actually diverted the Eagle River and raised the ground at Camp Hale eight feet. Are you serious? I'm telling you, ingenuity. Like, when the will is there. Oh, oh man. Ingenuity. Like, capability. And, and they just... raised it because it was like, you know, water tides, man. The water tide changes. So, when they diverted the river, it was... They didn't want any possibility of flooding the camp because it's in a valley. Right. Spring runoff. Yeah. And they... And they... In the camp, they had... For the 86th and the 85th, they had, like, bunny slopes. And that's... I, they didn't call it that back then, but I guarantee that's where the phrase came from, was to train the 85th and the 84th, or 86th and 85th to ski, was these little bunny slopes. That's and how I learned. Yeah, I mean, that's how anybody learns how to snowboard, ski, whatever, nowadays. And they had rock climbing walls. So the first one that was built, essentially, or found, however you want to describe that, started started becoming less and less challenging for the entire 10th Mountain Division. So they went further into the mountains and found harder and harder and harder places to, to rock climb. And eventually, it was a thousand foot rock face for them to climb. And they're carrying their 80 pound pack and their skis on their pack and their weapons on their pack and they're climbing these rock walls man so if you weigh 200 pounds solid muscle you weigh 300 pounds climbing this this rock face which ultimately led to the italy uh rock climbing that was a 2000 foot rock face 2000 feet man 2000 feet these dudes climbed in the middle of the night in the dark they didn't have led lights they didn't have, you know, they had oil burning, like in one of our last episodes, the yeah. oil burning gas lights on their forehead. Yeah. I, I, don't, I doubt they had any lights, honestly, because they were traversing to intercept the Germans. So I bet they climbed completely in the dark. Dude, how do you keep morale up? I mean, where they were, it probably wasn't warm. Oh, God I mean, granted, no. they trained in this, but I mean, dude. Well, that's what they said is because they trained in Colorado... At 10,000 feet, they went to Italy, and Italy is much lower. Right. So they were in peak, 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 peak form to climb this mountain to go and intercept the Germans. That's why the 10th Mountain Division was deployed. They trained in Colorado. Colorado is, that's why people do high altitude training in Colorado, period. Even today, like, you'll watch maybe a Bronco game. You know, maybe your favorite team's playing here sure. in the mile high. Sure. Those guys have to have oxygen nearby. Yep. Now, these guys can just scale a 2,000-foot wall. That's that's free climbing. They didn't have belay on, belay off. There's no... Dude, and they won a battle the they, next day. They won the battle, like the main battle that shifted the tides of the war, and they trained here in Colorado. That's It just blows my mind. It It, it is amazing. 
And like I said, I, I, I can't say it enough. Just to have been with those great men. That's uh, to me. It, it's it's uh, kind of. It wasn't a big deal then because I was basically yeah, young and dumb. Young and dumb, right? But going back to it, just in my mind, I just—it's it, incredible, dude. It's incredible. And so, what I'm, happened, I'm, like after the war? After the war, I yeah, guess. yeah. So after the war, um, even like the most recent, it was—I think it was in October of 2022. Uh, Biden uh, officially made it a national monument, meaning that it's federally protected. And that will prevent any kind of mining or drilling. So, yeah. if anyone were to go up there, you would see it in its in its uh, in its state, un, undisturbed. Yeah, you can see the the foundations from yep. what from what I've seen. Yeah, there's some foundations left. I mean, it, it's absolutely incredible that there were <laughs> a thousand buildings used to be. All you see is some concrete foundations of a little I think, street names here and there. Yeah. And, and it's like A and 13th is one of the ones. It's like, what the hell? Uh, you wouldn't really know that anything happened there. That amazing. No, but the best. The best of the best. Here's another fucking fun fact. Oh, let's go. The best of the best. Meaning, if you've ever seen the movie, the best of the best. The Germans, from what we know, they would only surrender to a 10th Mountain Division soldier. Like, they'd have to show their patch. Like, oh, yep, gotcha. See, people hear SS, and that kind of makes some skin curl, right? Yeah, SS would only surrender to the 10th Mountain Division. Does that... The baddest of the Germans, like the badasses of the Germans. I'm not, like, that's not like a... (laughs) That's that's not a hats off kind of thing anyway, but, I mean, the most brutal of the German military, the SS. The most brutal of the... Yes. Would only surrender to a 10th Mountain Division soldier. That's that's awesome. So you asked me, like, what happened after? So the thousand buildings are gone. You'll you'll find the land just... It, you, you probably wouldn't even know. No, it's like a valley. Yeah, uh, just there's this real straight-looking river that was man... Not man-made, just it was redirected. Post-war, what did all those guys do? They came home, and believe it or not... And they found solace in the mountains. They found solace back in those mountains. That's and they they made most of the ski resorts you see today. They became ski instructors, worked there. In fact, uh, the World War II vets from the 10th Mountain Division established the Colorado's outdoor recreation economy. Yep. Uh, when you can actually get to these things without... Everyone in the entire state of Colorado being in a ski resort on a weekend, you'd be able to in, in, enjoy these things, which I still <laughs> recommend you do if it's in your schedule. We haven't mentioned it once. However, Camp Hale is just north of Leadville, in between Leadville and Beaver Creek. Take the time. Take the, take time. the time and go out there. Yeah, definitely take the time. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Argo Mill and Mine. Um, There is a small portion of the mine shaft left uh, where you can walk down and see a bulkhead that is holding all of the water, which we'll get to next week. Um, Probably over 200 bolts that have to be torqued 
monthly. And and again, we will get to all the details next week. Um, very cool history. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Camp Hill. <laughs>